Snap Wilson, quarterback draw on third and 15. 20, 15, 10, oh, he's going to go! Five, touchdown, Cougars! Down the lane, back to Yo. Yo on the arc, shoots a three, and scores it. Yoli Childs for three! To the right, putting a shot on goal, it is a goal for Elise Blake! This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation, and welcome back inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another weekly edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. 60 minutes of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities, past and present. My name is Greg Grubel, and we are live tonight coast-to-coast on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, and over the air in northern Utah on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2. You can also stream us live online at byuradio.org and via the BYU Radio app on demand. You can hear us by subscribing to our Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel podcast or by visiting our show page at byuradio.org, and you can get every episode of the show on archive there. Tonight, it's the run and shoot we are running with BYU track and cross-country All-American Erica Burke-Jarvis, and we're shooting with former BYU hoopster and the winningest player in Cougar basketball history, Charles Abuo from France. My interview with Charles is tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU alumni. But we open this evening's broadcast with two-time cross-country All-American, who over the weekend helped to BYU set a school record in the indoor women's distance medley relay. She's a return missionary, a mom, and this last November finished as the seventh fastest cross-country runner in the NCAA. Her latest All-America citation for her finish at Nationals makes her the first BYU women's cross-country runner with multiple All-America honors in some 15 years. A prolific and versatile middle-distance runner, both indoor and outdoor, it's hard to find an event in which Erica Burke Jarvis has not excelled during her time at BYU. The second member of her family to earn All-America status... Erica Burke Jarvis joins me now here in Studio 2 behind the mic. Hello, Erica. Hi. How are you? I'm good. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little bit of track hack from our workout today. Track hack. Lingo, uh, it's good to meet you, by the way. Uh, you're running bloodlines. I mentioned that you're not the first member of your family to be an All-American here, so take us into that a bit. <clears throat> okay, so my mom ran here at BYU um, probably in the late 80s, early 90s. and Is her name Nicole? Yes, okay. Nicole. So I guess I just wanted to follow in her footsteps and come run here, too. When did you really start taking running seriously, though? Um, probably my junior year of high school, just when I talked to Coach Shane, who was the coach here at the time, and he told me, like, these are the times you need to hit if you want to come here. So that's when I really got into it. Did you, uh, did you think this is something that you kind of gravitated to, or were you doing other stuff, and this kind of settled in as, as your favorite sport, or were you always athletic? How was that... Uh... Um, I always tried all the other sports, but I wasn't, I didn't have that coordination. Whereas running, I was good at it and you just had to just go forward. When you got the times that you mentioned, did you find that you hit them uh, relatively easily to the point where, yeah, I can do this? Or was it a real grind to get there? Um, I, I worked hard to get the times. So it wasn't just like you just you fell out of bed and you ran when you needed to run. You had to work at it. No, yeah, I worked. <laughs> okay, so junior high school, high school running career, you, you won some stuff. You were pre- clearly good as a, as a prep runner, right? In high school? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So post-high school, what were your plans immediately at that point? Uh, I didn't, I think when I first got to college, I was so set on making it here that I didn't, I didn't know where to go from there. 
so I didn't have like that many plans. Just make the top seven of the cross country team. Where did the where did the mission fit into all this? Um, Timing wise, the mission was after my first year of college. Then I went on a mission. Okay, uh, had that been something you'd always thought of doing? And how did it fit into athletics? And did you feel you'd lose an edge? That kind of thing. Um. I redshirted my freshman year of cross country, and I just kept getting injured. Hmm. So the mission just seemed like you know something that I should do at that time. You went to Cleveland, is that right? Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> how much of Ohio did you end up seeing in that mission? Are there uh, other states as well, or you stay in Ohio the whole time? I stayed in. I stayed really close to Cleveland, Kirtland Temple, like that area. Okay, very well. Uh, college choice was it always going to be BYU, or were there other people that you were thinking about? It was BYU, yeah. All the time, all, all the, the way. Time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what was your first running year then? Was it was it 15? Was 2015 your first real running year? After, yeah. Okay. I had an indoor season my freshman year, but okay. other than that. Okay. Um, your, your results show that in your freshman year, your freshman year of like actual running, uh, a couple of cross-country top 25s, um, good results in a number of events, uh, both indoors and outdoors. Um, and that was your... And that was the year before Diljeet got here, isn't that right? Wouldn't that correctly in t- timing-wise? Mm-hmm. So your next season, your sophomore season, becomes Diljeet Taylor's first year here. Is that correct? Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Okay. So change of coaches. Uh, what did you know about her, and what were your first impressions of her? Uh, I didn't know anything about her, and I was like, as we were kind of, some of us were a little bit blindsided because we didn't even know we were getting a new coach, and then bam, the season starts and we have a new coach. <laughs> Uh, but she makes quite the good first impression. She's so what amazing. were your first impressions? Um, <laughs> they might be the same now for all I know. Yeah. Um, she's just awesome. Like, I think my f- first impression was like, who is this woman? Like, she seems to know everything and do everything <laughs> and be everywhere. <laughs> be everywhere. What are the things that uh, she does that you think set her apart as a coach? You've had her for a couple of years now. Uh, she puts her whole heart into coaching cross-country and track she loves it and she wants all her women to reach their goals so she'll put in whatever effort that you're willing to put in she'll match it or and put more if we were to talk to say the youngest freshman who's just finding her way and then we talk to the someone who's really experienced are they all going to say does she treat everyone like they're important I, i get the sense that everyone feels like she's there for them yes she does yeah and especially when you show that you're committed she'll show you that she's committed to you Okay. When you got to BYU, did you see yourself having a specialty? Because you've done so many different things. You've run so many different races. What did you foresee for yourself? And do you see yourself as a specialist of anything right now? Um, I hope to become All-American. So, yeah. Um, but, you've run so, but you have so many different disciplines here. You've run so many different kinds of races. What do you see yourself as right now? Oh, I don't know. Probably like just like what's my event? Mm, yeah. You're like, you're, you're preferred, you're main. What do you see yourself as right now? Because there was a time when you could have even, I mean, steeplechase was as good as anything else you were doing. And you've done a bunch, bunch of different things. I, I like the two mile. I think that's like the best distance for me. I'm a decent miler. Um, I could probably be at the 5K if I could just wrap my head around running that many laps. But I think the two mile is perfect. So 3,000. Yeah, 3,000. Yeah, okay. okay, gotcha. Um, your sophomore cross-country season uh, included a top 10 finish uh, at the WCCs. Um, and then a top 40 finish at Nationals, which gets you All-American. So you said you wanted to be an All-American. You already are a couple times. What was it like to get that first All-America citation? Oh, it was so happy. Like, it was, it's hard to, like, explain how it feels because it was just 
like this goal that I've been working for since I was little or or dreaming of. Mm-hmm. And finally it was happening. And I wasn't expecting it going into that race. My goal, I just was expecting to hopefully run a good race. Okay. Now, there for for listeners who aren't you know terribly familiar with just how long your year is in college, your your fall season is essentially your outdoor, your cross country season, right? Mm-hmm. And then in winter slash spring, you've got an indoor track season and an outdoor track season. So you're really kind of going all school year, as opposed to the other sports, which almost kind of like kind of like semester by semester. You're going all year long, plus into spring. Uh, it's it, it's it's a grind, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's um. It's like. The end of August all the way till June, so it's like a long season. Yeah, t- ten of the twelve months, basically, you are running. Uh, and so, back to your sophomore year, uh, there were some high-profile wins uh, in the track season, winter, spring. Top five finish at nationals in the distance medley relay. Uh, personal best in everything from the eight hundred to the three thousand steeple. Did you feel like it was all coming together at that point? You're two years in. Results are coming. How did you feel at that point? And yes, we are kind of getting into a cliffhanger here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, how did it feel at that point? Oh, I felt good. I felt like uh, with with Coach Taylor, I was reaching these goals that I didn't know I could meet. So things were cooking along pretty well. Yeah, things were yeah. good. And then life got interesting, like really interesting, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll go to break, and again we'll go cliffhanger moment. But uh, life for Erica Burke Jarvis would change as her sophomore season concluded. When we return after this break, we'll talk about a break in Erica's running career and a strong return to the trails and the track. As our conversation continues with Erica Burke Jarvis behind the mic with Greg Grubel, we are live on BYU Radio, Sirius XM one forty three, BYUradio dot org, and the BYU Radio app. Back in a minute. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I'm visiting with BYU women's track and cross-country All-American, Erica Burke Jarvis, tonight. Uh, Before the break, uh, we were at the tail end of your sophomore season, I think, timing-wise. I don't want to speak for you, but is it fair to say that uh, near the end of that year, something began to feel a little off physically for you? Yes. (laughs) Take us back to that time. Uh, I was running a race in Occidental, which is a race in California, and I was supposed to pace the 5K, and I only made it a mile into it, and I was just feeling like something did not feel right. So I dropped out of – I didn't finish pacing. So you figured at that point some investigation was needed as to why you might have felt that way. Yeah, I called my sister, and I was like, Allie, I think I'm pregnant. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. Turned out nothing was wrong with you. You were just pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, so what were your fears at that time, if there were any? Uh, and then the actual challenges uh, of of taking a year off from your career to have a, have a baby? Um, I was afraid that I'd never come back and run again and just afraid that I wouldn't be able to finish. I just didn't want to quit. Like I didn't want to not finish college or not finish my running eligibility. So when I got pregnant, I just got so scared that it was just all over. Because you were kind of peaking at that point. I mean, you had a career still to come, but you were really running well, right? Like it was coming along pretty well. Yes. Yeah. So you have that fear. So what did you find out at actually? Like, I guess now that you've been through the experience, what did you what did you learn that you maybe couldn't have anticipated before? Um, through having a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, just that. You know, you women can still like have a passion and 
raise a child. Like there, you don't just have to be done living your life just because you have a, a baby, but it can enrich your life and just make it so much better. From an athletic standpoint, um, were there any benefits of actually being away for a year uh, while having the baby? Like, did you come back uh, a different person, mental makeup? Uh, did, it, did you find that this time away actually paid off in the end or benefited you? Yes, especially mentally. I feel like I gained so much confidence through taking a year off and having a baby and just seeing everything in perspective. So I just feel like I came back with a purpose. Like I only have a year, like a year to two left and I'm just going to do my best. I'm not going to waste time. Okay. Uh, was Coach Taylor, your new coach, uh, surprised at your news when you broke it to her? And how was, uh, how were Diljeet and your teammates during that time when you were pregnant and away from the team? Uh, yeah, Coach Taylor was surprised and we were both up, just upset, not not disappointed because I was having a baby, just disappointed because of the timing. Um, but they were so supportive. Coach Taylor is the reason I came back because mm. I thought, like I said, I thought it was over for me. But she was so supportive throughout the whole thing. So what were the kind of things you were being told or hearing or thinking that kept you positive, thinking, I can still do this when, when I have my baby and we're back here? Um, I just... I just uh, kept thinking about, like, Coach Taylor made some goals for me, so I just kept thinking about those goals and just kept me positive throughout the whole process. How active were you uh, during your pregnancy and then after Jack was born, and his name is Jack, and he's 13 months old, we just figured out, right? Um, how, when did you feel like you could start hitting it again and training? Um, I ran to about, like, seven months of my pregnancy, and then it just was kind of painful (laughs) so I started cross training so I cross trained um even the day I had him I was cross training so I had him that night and then I just started slowly walking and it was just a slow process of coming back but a slow steady process would he come along oh yeah I would take him on runs and his jogger okay uh so that's something you still do I would take I, I, I imagine nowadays or not uh, yeah, not as not much really. I mean, like, but if you're like say you're going on a chill canyon run and you're not like going for a time would you take him along um, or no, you, is it coach, kind of your your own thing? Yeah, well, coach, I don't know. It's supposed to be kind of bad on your back or something. <laughs> Full form wise, yeah. Okay, but yeah, uh, not that you don't like him. It's just that it's probably not <laughs> best to run with him in your particular position. Yes. Okay. Um, what were your expectations then uh, for the 2018 cross country season, the one we just had? Um, I just wanted to be all American again. I didn't know where I'd fit in. Just coming back, having a baby, I didn't know if I'd be as good as I was or where I'd be. So I feel like with each race, we just kept getting a new goal. Okay. Uh, did you surprise yourself uh, or Diljeet or anyone else with how quickly things came back for you? It surprised me, yes. <laughs> I did not think I'd ever be able to run the same again. Just because when you're running pregnant, it's really painful. <laughs> but you, I just came back and... I just came back slowly, and it was it felt right. It felt just like it did before, but better. So, so yes, was it fair to say? My follow is it fair to say you came back better? Yes, Coach Taylor says that I came back a different athlete. Okay, why did she say that? Uh, just she said <clears throat> just from having a baby, like I was blessed. I, that's just what she says. And did you feel it though yourself that that you felt like you were actually a better runner even after everything? Yes, I was. I just. I think maybe it's just confidence. I just believed in myself differently than I did before. So after going from somebody who thought that maybe pregnancy might end your career to actually improving your career when you came back, it's quite the turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is totally different. 
tell well, so, everyone to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you had two cross-country wins in the fall season. Uh, you, then fourth place at pre-nationals, were, which I guess would have been in Wisconsin, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. same, same, same track, right? Same course? Yes. Um, then first at WCCs, uh, third at regionals, and then a top 10 finish at nationals. Seventh place, which is another All-America finish, obviously. But um, when I describe those, that season for you right there, um, that's just pretty impressive for somebody that was just recently away to have a baby. Did you um, do better than you thought you might have done with all those placings? Yeah, I was just thinking when you were reading those. I, <laughs> Yeah, that blew my mind. Okay, take us to the day of nationals. Uh, the experience on that day, is our, it was pretty brutally cold, wasn't it? Yeah, it had just <laughs> snowed. And so the course had snow on it, and I was excited. I was so focused. This was something that I had been working towards since I had Jack. So in, in December, like, this was the goal I was focusing on, and it was finally here. So I didn't care what happened. I was going to hang with those girls in the front and do my best. Were you going for a time? Were you going for a placement? Uh, did top 10 hit your like, – what, what did you want to do as opposed to what you did? Uh, yeah, I wanted to be top eight because I feel like in track, top eight is All-American. So I wanted to be like true All-American. So that was my secret goal. Okay. And seventh uh, matches that. So very good. Uh, this is a team sport after all. We've talked a lot about you as an individual. Uh, but you're either competing uh, for points as a team member or you're part of a relay like you were this past weekend. It really is the best of both worlds, right? You get to be an individual and go for times that help you. And then you also get to be part of either a five-person group or a four-person relay that's actually working together. So it really is, like I said, you get to be both an individual and a teammate. Mm-hmm. I love I love running on relays or, or cross-country just because you're running for more than yourself. So what can you say about, A, your cross-country teammates? And I'll just use the medley relay as a good example right here, uh, your teammates over the weekend. Uh, what can you say about that group, those two groups? Oh, I love my cross-country team. They're, they're the best. And then the relay you have Whitney Orton and the Ellsworth sisters, and they're just amazing, phenomenal athletes. So the distance medley relay, uh, for those who aren't terribly familiar, it's three distances with four runners, or four distances with four runners, right? So it go, does it go uh, 12, 4, 8, 16? Is that the way the order it goes? Yes. 1,200, 400, 800, 1,600. So you were the anchor, yes? Yes. And so the 16, it's a mile. Uh-huh. It's, so uh, 12, 4, 8, 16, and you're anchoring. Uh, and it was... A school record for BYU this past weekend up in uh, Europe and Seattle, right? Uh huh. Can you take us through the race? Okay, so yeah, Whitney started the race, uh, did amazing. I think she got us like right in the front, either second or first. And then Elena got it and ran a really good 400. I'm not sure. I think she, I was like so nervous. I think we were in first. <laughs> and then Lauren got it. The girl passed her. And then she, uh, she got her. And, um, then I got it in first. Okay. And so the people you're talking about are Whitney Orton, Elena Ellsworth, Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes, and yourself. Yes. Right? Okay. That's our group. And it is a school record for BYU. And yet you weren't done. The next day, you turn around and run a mile, right? Yeah. We all had to race again. So, I mean, and, and, and you know, do you think it's not a big deal to, to have to put that much into a race one day and then the very next day come back with, uh, with a, another uh, big-time effort? Are you used to it? Um, no. Like in high school, you do all the events, but college usually focus on one event per meet. Yeah. So, but I thought it was a good opportunity just because it is like, it's our rust buster race where we're just getting out there and practicing and remembering how to race again. So I needed it. So after the DMR school record for BYU, the next day you're running a mile 
uh, the indoor mile, and you set a personal best. Didn't, wasn't that your personal yeah, best? Yeah, it was. Yeah, not so bad. <laughs> it was a good day. <laughs> School record one day, one night, and then personal best in the mile the next day. Uh, 4.36.95 uh, was your time on that. How, how much faster can you be in the mile? How much fat? Yeah. Oh, well. Do you, have, do, you, do, you have a, do you have a goal beyond what we just talked about, 4.36.95? Like, what do you have as, 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 as a landmark for yourself? Yeah, I would like to run sub 4.35. It's out there. Um, <laughs> we, we zip past cross country really quick, but I want to mention that uh, since Diljeet's been uh, the coach, uh, three straight nationals of 11th or better for BYU right now. I mean, you guys are now that, – that, that, that's rarefied air. And I think an 11th, a 10th, and – was it a 10th again? 7th. 7th. Yes, right. You were 7th and then the team – yeah. So 11th, 10th, 7th. So three top 11s. Um, and then right now, uh, both track teams, men and women, are ranked top 20. I mean, these, these are great times here at BYU, aren't they? Yeah. This is turning a new page. How much do you view the effort right now at BYU uh, as a as a group, women and men together kind of thing? Like you're both excelling at the same time and you're all in it together. I love that we're both excelling at the same time. When I first got to BYU, the men were so much better than the women. So it's like I just think it's more fun when we're both having success. And uh, that's exactly what's happening right now. How much of an eye do you keep on on the men's results when you guys are doing your own thing? At meets, for example. Oh yeah, we go. We watch them and cheer them on, and we want them to do good. Same as you would. Uh, plans and goals for the remainder of the indoor season, and then once we get into the spring outdoor slate, um, as a team and as an individual, what are some things that you think are top of mind right now for goals and plans for the team? For the team, um, I know our goal is to be to be in the top twenty-five at nationals. So that'll just require most of us getting to nationals. What are you going to spend most of your time doing? Which races are you going to focus most on here? Uh, I would love to run the DMR at Nationals. and. By the way, when do you find out when you've actually got the times needed to qualify for that? We qualified in the DMR. You basically just had the run. By Seattle? Like did Seattle yeah. qualify you basically? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, I would like to qualify in the 3K. Personally? Personally. Okay. And uh, you ran the personal best in the mile. So is the mile going to keep happening or for you or like this um, spring? Possibly. Hmm. <laughs> so is this kind of a, like, like, like a one-off, a bit, of, a bit of a lark for you to run the mile this past weekend, or are you going to hang with it here? Uh, I don't know. More, more focus on the 3K for you right now. Probably. Though. Okay, so DMR and 3K for right now. Okay. Uh, let's, let's recap quickly and shout out and credit your husband and your son uh, so we can give them some credit for their support for you because they're probably uh, they have your back, right? Yes, they're awesome. So tell us how you met uh, Tyler. I met Tyler while I was serving a mission in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And you've been married for how long? We've been married um, April uh, 2016. So Almost three years? Yeah. <laughs> We're coming okay. up on three years. And little Jack is 13 months old, as we discussed. Uh, is, is Tyler the kind of guy you can um, you want to run with, you hang out on runs with? Or is he like, nah, she's not, that's just nothing I'm involved with? When we were dating, he would run with me, but <laughs> he tries. He tries is what we're going to leave it he at. He tries. <laughs> He's supportive, if nothing else. All right. Uh, great. I'm glad we got to bring you in here tonight and uh, and chat with you. We can keep a closer eye on you and your teammates as you go through this uh, winter and spring season. And uh, we'll look for that sub-435 mile when it comes. And wish the best for you with everything else you're doing. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. All right. My guest has been Erica Burke-Jarvis. And when Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues, it's a conversation with former BYU hoopster Charles Abuo from France. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYUradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Back after this. 
listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We are back on Behind the Mic, and it is time now for our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students, but you don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni Chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. And this evening, it's my conversation with BYU's career all-time Iron Man, the winningest player also in BYU basketball history and an important part of the last BYU team to make it as far as the NCAA tournament's Sweet 16. Charles Abuo played in 141 consecutive games, the longest streak in BYU Hoops history, as Charles never missed a single game of his Cougar career. His 113 wins are the most of any BYU player. His teams played in four NCAA tournaments, and many of his teammates still from these squads are playing professionally. Charles himself has been making a living on the overseas hardwood since leaving Provo, and he joins us tonight behind the mic. Uh, Charles, hello, and maybe we should start by having you tell us just where in the world you are right now. Hello, Greg. Good to be good to be with you today. Um, I'm actually in France right now. I've been in France for my third year. I'm playing in a, a town called Blois. It's about an hour and a half um, away from Paris, so kind of in the middle of France. Can you list the teams and or countries that you've called home for the last uh, seven years of pro basketball? Yeah, um, so right after BYU, I spent my first two years in Spain. Um, I played for a town in the north part of Spain called Huesca. Uh, Tyler Haas is actually over there right now, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I spent a second year in Spain after that, another place called Palencia. And then I did um, half a season in Egypt. Uh, I spent half a season unemployed. Then I <laughs> finished that second half of the year in Egypt. And then after that, I played a, a year in Qatar. And after Qatar, I came over to France. And I've been playing in, in France for the last three years. Uh, my first year was um, in the northern part of France. Um, last year, I played in the southern part of France for a team, and uh, now I'm in Blois. So it's my third year in France. Do you enjoy the lifestyle? Um, yeah, I do. It's uh, it's different, and you know, I I mean, I know I'm eventually gonna be in the states, and you know, I love living in the states, but it's good to get all these experiences while you can. And there's a there's a lot of cool things that are different here that I that I embrace, and I know. I won't uh, get to have them forever, so I just try to make the most of it. And living in France, uh, you speak the language, which helps. Yeah, I speak uh, I speak French. I was born in the Ivory Coast, and I had a pretty good base of French before we moved to the States when I was about seven years old. Um, but I've, I've definitely improved a lot over the last three years. You've alluded to it a bit right there, but as BYU fans know, you have an interesting background that includes a listed hometown in the Ivory Coast. Uh, can you remind us of the family background and how it was that you ended up in northern Utah? Um, yeah, so I was born in Abidjan, an Ivory Coast, also known as Côte d'Ivoire right. in French. And um, my mom always loved the United States. She she spoke English from a very young age and was always into the culture and you know music and things like that. Um, but her friend actually uh, did like a green card lottery thing. She kind of convinced my mom, and and before my mom could even get to it, she kind of 
signed signed up her name and uh, somehow you know came up my mom had that the chance to move her family to the states and we were in Milwaukee Wisconsin um, at first um, we lived there for about four or five years and then my uh, my dad actually knew some people in Utah and he wanted to relocate um, to Utah and yeah we ended up in Logan and I went to high school there and then went to BYU so why BYU I don't even I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I was a you know, I was in I was in Logan and I I I mean I was I was all about basketball. I just loved it. For me it was a it was a sport. It was like my best friend. It was it was what I did when you know I was down. It was it, it was basically, you know, it was everything for me and uh, it was a place where I can kind of I could kind of just be myself and and, you know, I didn't really have many friends in high school. I wasn't really a big, uh, I was kind of an introvert and it gave me a lot of, it gave me a lot of confidence and it allowed me to do so many things, you know, travel and, and just meet a bunch of, so I, it was something I was very passionate about and I always was confident that, you know, if I kept working hard, I would get where I wanted to go. And, you know, a lot of people didn't see that, but there was a, um, Dave Rice, who was at Utah State, he, you know, he heard about me because I, I would play with the college players at Utah State, pick up, you know, during the week. And um, I actually lived right by this church and my mom didn't let me go. So I'd sneak out of the house at 10 p.m., you know, in the springtime and play pickup ball with them and with like J.C. Carroll and Spencer Nelson and mm-hmm. Cardo, but all these big time players they had it that was really big for my development, but I think they mentioned some something to Coach Rice about this kid who was a really good player, and you know he started taking interest. He came to a couple of my practices, and I was young; I was probably you know fifteen, sixteen. I wasn't you know very good, but you know he he obviously saw something in me, and 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 one time he came, and he actually came to my house, and I was there, and he I remember he told me like just to he said I think you're going to be a, a really really great college player someday. I think you got an opportunity to even play beyond that. I see how you work. I see how passionate you are about the game. And, you know, you're a great kid. And he's like, I don't know what the situation is going to be at Utah State. Um, I don't know what the future holds for me in my career. But he's like, anywhere that I go, like, I'd love to have you on my team. I'd love to be able to coach you. And that was before I had any offers. That was before I had, you know, anything. I think I was like (laughs) 6'2". You know, and so that that kind of stuck out to me, um, and you know, I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool, and I think like it's hard to find, uh, it's hard to it's hard to it just you know recruiting such like a big maze, and it's hard to to know what's going on, and and I just for me that was really uh, that that kind of stood out for me, and you know when I went to prep when I went to prep school a little bit before that I think he had joined the staff at BYU and. You know, I still, you know, I still trusted him and felt good about that, and that's kind of how I ended up there. So during your prep school year, BYU went twenty-seven and eight, won the Mountain West Conference, played in the NCAA tournament. Jimmer Fredette was a freshman, but not a starter. You come in as a freshman; he's now a sophomore. When did you realize Jimmer might be something special? That's that's a very good question. I, I uh, when I was at prep school, I actually was teammates with one of his AU teammates, and. Uh, I remember Jimmer wasn't playing very much at BYU at the time, especially early on in the year when I got to prep school. And, you know, this kid who was pro- the most talented player on our team, uh, Mark Lyons, 
he ended up going to Arizona. He plays overseas now, but he 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 always just raved about him, you know. And uh, he always talked about, you know how you know obviously how good he was, his talent level, and you know I remember Jim wasn't playing much at the time. I didn't really know much about him, but he was you know he was telling me how good he was going to be. Just wait, like he's going to show everybody what he can do, and he also. You know, he also talked about him as a person, as a friend, even more than he did as a basketball player. Like he, I mean, he was all about Joe. It was like one of the guys, like he really respected both on and off the court. So, um, you know, so I, I kind of, I kind of was aware that you know maybe this is a, this is a special, this is a special guy that they've picked up. You know, according to you know his friend and um, um, this guy that knew him. And I remember he also told me he's like, hey, you should have. You know, you're going into college. Like it's your first year. Like you should, you should uh, get to know him. You should, you should, you know, live with him. Like he's a good dude. Like, you know, you're a good dude. You're gonna like him and stuff like that. So I reached out to Jimmer, and uh, you know, we got to, we 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 roomed together. We were in the same uh, apartment, and um, you know, I, we started working out together and going to, you know, going to practices. And and you can kind of see pretty early. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know how it would actually. I didn't know if it was actually going to translate to the magnitude that it did. But you could see pretty early that the guy had something special. I mean, just you, you'd shoot twenty shots and or twenty threes, and you know he'd make nineteen, or <laughs> you know you'd shoot like you'd shoot free throws, and you, you know he would never miss, and he was never tired. He was just he was really diligent and. You could see the work ethic, and you could see the the quality of work. I, you know, everybody works hard in basketball. Um, everybody works hard in life. Period. You know, and it's it was for him. It was more what stood out to me was the quality of work. You know, not necessarily being in the gym for five hours a day, but you know, just in the specific time he was in there, it was diligent. It was planned. It was you know, functional to what he was trying to accomplish. And when, when you see that, that type of work, you know, something's, you know, special's um, going to come behind it. So it, it was, I mean, obviously some numbers were a little bit surprising, but um, I wasn't too surprised by the success that he had because he put in the work. Yeah. Your, your, your freshman year, you were BYU's seventh leading scorer. Lee, Jimmer, JT were one, two, three, Jackson Emery's back off a mission. Noah Hartsock's a freshman. Uh, you guys play in the NCAA's, play Texas A&M again, as it turns out. Your sophomore year is now Jimmer's junior year. Tyler Haas is now in. Jimmer and Jacks are one two. JT's coming off the bench. Brandon Davies joins the program. You're playing more. Things are picking up now, and you guys get back to the NCAA tournament. This is a pretty big year because after so many years of not advancing, BYU beats Florida to move on. Do you remember how big that was for you guys in the program at the time? It was big. I, I just remember uh, how ecstatic everybody was, and it was a huge accomplishment because obviously, uh, you know, we we knew what that what that meant, especially for the program and the NCAA tournament is a is a big deal. But it was a uh, it was definitely a uh, it was definitely a lot of fun because that that group, you know, some of those teams at BYU were really special, and because of the type of players that we had and the guys on the coaching staff and. You know, everybody came in every day trying to be their best, you know, and we all had challenges. Sometimes you'd play a lot. Sometimes you wouldn't play a lot. <laughs> but I just felt like the culture was 
you know, was always about coming to coming to work every day, improving, being accountable first for, you know, what you're doing. And it just, uh, I just think it showed with the success that uh, the team had, um, you know, with a lot of those, especially with that team, obviously we had great leadership from our coaches, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to say we had a leader. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't tell you, we had guys who were older and we had, um, you know, people who led us in points and stuff like that. But I mean, everybody was so accountable that no one had to lead anybody. Um, you just knew everybody was dialed in. So it was a, it was a lot of fun, but I, 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 uh, I wouldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too surprising. I felt like we, we, uh, we kind of worked to get there and it was just, a. It was it was it was definitely gratifying, and Kansas State didn't go uh, how, how we thought it would, but you know they were a good team. So it was definitely a, a fun year and a, a a really good accomplishment that helped us, you know, build for the next year. Yeah, good step forward. We are talking with uh, Charles Zabuo from France tonight. It is time for a short break. When we come back, the Sweet Sixteen season for BYU and then senior season for Charles, followed by the pro career of Charles Abuo and Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Greg Rubel. We are back on Behind the Mic, visiting with former BYU basketball player Charles Abuo in tonight's Catching Up with the Cougar segment. Charles joining us from France this evening where he plays basketball. Your junior season, Charles, one that BYU fans will never forget. 37 games, 32 wins. You played all over the country. Jim Romania takes hold. Uh, you are now starting most games. Kyle Collinsworth came in. You've got a really solid core uh, led by Jimmer, and that was really a wild year because you played everywhere, special season in every way, right? It was a it was a special year. Uh, we had a we had a very good team, and we just uh, kept building on the success of the of the previous years before that. And it, it was definitely a lot of fun to be able to you know to experience that, to experience playing you know all over the country, and to to have to have the success success that we had, and just to just to see how many people followed uh, BYU basketball and and you know what it meant. Uh, for people who who loves who love the game, and it was a it was a lot of fun, definitely a memorable experience. What was the most either lasting memory or surreal moment from that Sweet Sixteen season where things got pretty crazy? It went by pretty fast, but um, there was a, <laughs> it, it was there was a lot of there was a lot of things there, you know there was a lot of uh, it was definitely an emotional year, <laughs> a lot of you know definitely a lot of good, uh, not really a lot of bad, you know there's all there's like a lot of, you know, what ifs. And, but for me, I just, it was an amazing experience, you know, the good and bad. I remember we had a lot of success the year before. Um, you know, for me, I, you know, I started, you know, I came back off the bench. I, I played different positions and, you know, I, I just, uh, I saw the team develop in, in, in so many different ways. And towards the, beginning of the year we were a different team we were in the middle and then towards the end obviously with some things that happened it was a different team mm-hmm. um, but we kind of had to no matter what was going on individually uh, for each of us we always had to come every day and just try to sustain 
um, you know, sustain the level of success we're having and just to try to help the team in, in any way we can. Uh, but I think the, I think just, you know, making it, making it to the sweet 16 and being so close to going to the elite eight, um, that was probably the, the best part, you know, just to, to get to somewhere we, we haven't, we hadn't been before. I think um, getting to the Sweet 16 was probably the, the best part about it. You started all 35 games of your senior season. Uh, what were you expecting out of yourself and your teammates after Jimmer and Jax had left and Kyle Collinsworth was now going, gone on his mission? I was expecting to, you know, for us to kind of just build on the success that we've had um, you know, in the past. Um, I think, obviously, you lose those types of, of – you lose very, very important uh, players and personalities to the group. Um, but I, I, I still, to me, you know, uh, having the, I thought that was also a very good team. I ended up making it to the NCAA tournament. Um, I, you know, personally, I don't think I had the, you know, the best senior year for, for, for certain reasons. But um, I think the one thing that, one what if that goes on in my head is, uh, I think one important factor was uh, losing Mike Lloyd. I always, you know, obviously, you know, Jimmer was Jimmer was unbelievable. Uh, Lee Kamard and Noah Harsock, those guys are great players that I played with at BYU. But you know, for me, I was there's Tyler Hawes and Kyle Collinsworth, and but you know, Brandon Davies and and Noah Harsock and you know Mike Lloyd Jr. I put I think they're just as talented as uh, for for their respective positions, you know, as you know so many guys that have come through BYU. So I was, I, I thought that team, I thought that's that team, you know, especially with, if we would have had Mike Lloyd, I thought it was a team that could beat anybody on there any given night, but we still had, you know, Matt, who's very talented freshman that came in. There was still, you know, guys like Brock and Anson who helped us tremendously that year too. I think uh, I, I, we did well, you know, we, we got to the, we got to the tournament, which was, a very good accomplishment. We probably we probably weren't as good as I thought we could have been, and a lot of that was on you know was on us adjusting to different roles and new roles and things like that. But I was still I was still happy with the with the outcome. Your last season was the first season for BYU in the WCC, as it turned out. Uh, after the WCC mm-hmm. tournament, NCAA's. I mentioned those superlatives earlier, uh, Charles, about your consecutive games and wins, and you were also part not only of a Sweet 16 team, but of a record-setting team coming back from down 25 against Iona to win that game and advance to, to, to play Marquette. Oh, for sure. That was a, I mean, that was a huge accomplishment, and that was, that was, that was really cool. That was something uh, special that hadn't been done. And, I mean, to be honest, uh, that, that definitely was – one of my uh, one of my worst games, I'd say, in my career, uh, probably for that whole for that whole run. I don't. I wasn't in the game. I was more in the game for when things were going um, things were going pretty bad. And uh, you know, I, there was a lot of young guys that were in there. Brandon, Noah, Brock, they were in there. But there was a lot of young players that were playing uh, during that um, during that turnaround. And I I remember just being on the bench, and I I was really proud uh, because. Um, a lot of those guys that contributed in that in that huge moment and kind of made history, you know, were had some of the guys had a their year was a little complicated. You know, some guys were young. It was up and down. But just to 
to be able to do that against a great Iona team. And I remember halfway through the run, I remember coach put me back in the game. And obviously you could, you could see that it, it kind of affected that chemistry a little bit. And I remember I went back out and just the run just kept getting bigger and bigger. And it was definitely cool. And it was definitely a humbling experience uh, for me is because, you know, sometimes like, like you never want this to happen, but it's like, Sometimes that's that's one big lesson that I learned because when you're not in the game, you're always like, oh man, if I'm in the game, you know, (laughs) I could help my team do this. And so you're so confident in your abilities. That was one. That was a lesson for me. Like, okay, sometimes the best thing for the team is for you to be on the bench, (laughs) and you know, maybe not all the time, but in certain scenarios, and you got to be able to to cheer for your teammates and be happy for those guys and. You know, I was ecstatic, and at the end of that game, I was extremely, I was extremely grateful because if I was in the game, and, and kudos to coach too for, I mean, I played a lot that year, but kudos to him for feeling that out too. And he, coach Rose, always been a, a really good in-game guy. You know, he's he's kind of has a good feeling for things, and I was grateful that in the that you know he made that decision, and we won. And thanks to those guys, I got to play another game in in my career uh, against Marquette. So that was a that was, it was really cool to be a part of that, and that's definitely something that, you know, we can remember from that year is, you know, making history and coming back from 26 down in the NCAA tournament. Do you still follow BYU basketball today, Charles? Yeah, I do. It's hard to it's hard to catch all the games, the time difference, but, you know, I catch some games here and there, the earlier ones, and uh, I spend uh, time playing pickup with those guys, like, in the summer and, you know, just talking to them and getting to know them better. But I always, I always follow, stay in touch with Lee a little bit and and see what's going on. You're big into health, nutrition, cooking. How, how much has that played into just your longevity as a basketball player? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a passion of mine. Um, you know, I, I think it's contributed to longevity. I mean, I still get hurt. Every, <laughs> I still get hurt more often than I uh than I want to. So, I, you know, I think it makes a, a big difference as far as your health and performance. Enough of a difference to where I don't want to find out what it's like to not do it. But I think it's just, um, I'm not exactly sure um, what, will, what will play out as I transition, you know, as I get older and, and, and things change. But I, uh, it's definitely a message that, you know, I want to keep spreading and with, with my friends and family and, and people that I come across and just, just, just something that I feel like can can help can help everybody taking care of yourself and you know being being mindful of your your habits and your lifestyle and kind of the environment you're in definitely contributes uh, greatly to whatever you're doing because it makes you a, a it makes you a better person and uh, and it makes you appreciate you know your your health and your life so it's definitely a message that I'll keep spreading and it's it's a passion right now and I'm I'm definitely working on ways to kind of you know turn that into into something else but right now that's kind of where it's at and post basketball what are you thinking I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking uh, there's a you know I obviously I love playing basketball um, you know I love health and um, you know I definitely I definitely think it'll you know something that incorporates something that incorporates those uh, those things uh, which you know I love to I love to you know to spend my time doing so I'm not exactly sure what specifically but you know I definitely want to do something that you know I believe in and that I enjoy for the rest of my life so I'll probably be looking close to 
to those types of avenues. A quick thought about uh, playing for Coach Rose uh, as you look back on your time at BYU. You know, within uh, a year or two here, become the Cougars' uh, all-time career coaching wins leader. How do you look back on your time with Coach Rose, and what kind of appreciation do you have for what he's been able to do here in Provo? It was definitely, definitely a great experience. <laughs> you know, the thing is, when you're when you're young, you know, like yeah, you know, you, you're you're a good kid and stuff, but you there's there's a lot that you don't see, you know, you're, you're, I would say you're, you're blind to a lot of things, you know, you're just trying to play, you're trying to go to school and play ball and, and be the best you can be. And you don't really, uh, you don't really notice things that go into coaching young, ambitious, immature young men. <laughs> and as you get older uh, and you start to, you start to see more and you start to be more appreciative of uh just what that experience does for you, even outside of basketball. And, you know, I've always felt like, you know, Coach Rose was, was a, a really, really good person. BYU for me was a great experience. Um, I, uh, yeah, I loved playing there. I had some great teammates and some great coaches that were, they're really, really good people too. And, uh, you know, as I get more removed from it, I'm more grateful for just the fact that, you know, they came and sought me out and wanted me as part of their as part of their group and appreciated me as part of their group not only as a basketball player and as a person and no matter what happens as far as what you accomplish on the court and your stats and all that I think that's that's the most important is uh, the fact that uh, you know people care about you and they they uh, for a bas- for a basketball player that means the world for for people to see your impact or or what you bring to their team as a person more so than, you know, the number of, you know, points you have or number of baskets you make because at, at a certain point, you know, you stop making baskets mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that's left is the person. So, um, you know, BYU is a good place because they, you know, they these coaches, especially Coach Rose, he appreciates all the guys individually. You know, that's, that's the part that matters the most. And, you know, he's definitely, you know, good to me on the court as well as a, as a, as a basketball coach. But I – um I'm, I'm definitely proud of the things he's accomplished and I'm proud to have been a part of those teams. And it's been, it's been pretty cool. It's been cool to, to have, to have that experience and to have, you know, had him as a coach. And I, I wish him continued success as long as he's in the game and, and beyond as well. Charles, I really enjoyed watching you play and getting to know you a little bit uh, during your days at BYU and really fond of you as a person and a player. And it's always great to see you when our paths cross in the years ensuing. So we wish you the best of luck with your professional career overseas. Bonsoir, and we say thank you uh, for joining us behind the mic. Charles, appreciate it. Merci. Thanks, Greg. I, I always appreciate you, and, and thanks for the support and, and your friendship. Anytime. All, right. All the best to you. Thank you. My interview with Charles was tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. We're back to wrap up tonight's show right after this. And that will do it for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel this Wednesday, January 30th. My thanks to tonight's guests, BYU women's track and cross-country All-American Erica Burke-Jarvis and former BYU basketball player Charles Abuo. On next week's show, BYU football player development and on-campus recruiting coordinator Tasha Bell ahead of signing day and former BYU uh, hoopster Brandon Davies joining me from Lithuania. My thanks tonight to coordinating producer Terry South and Cole Wissinger. For Terry and Cole, my name is Greg Grubel, and I thank you for joining me behind the mic on BYU Radio. Till next Wednesday, good night and go Cougars.
You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at byuradio.org.